I think what ultimately helps me is just knowing that with with faith, you know, faith just means you can't see it, you can't tangibly touch mm-hmm. anything, and yet you still know or believe that something good will come or whatever things will change and that's i think that's really important to have regardless um yeah i I think that's what you you need a combination of eagerness stubbornness and faith right i (laughs) I think that's i think that's what gets you to where you want to go this is epic ordinary lives podcast Welcome to episode 36 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that is based around the idea that the act of telling one's story is of benefit both to them and to the person hearing the story, that we both can gain perspective by reflecting on the journey that has been our life, and we can also offer perspectives and lessons to those that are listening Because even if I've lived an entirely different life from the person who's being featured in the interview, I can take things away from their journey. I can find how their path can help my path. This week, I have a very old friend on the podcast. This is David Cho. He and I went to college together. And what is so powerful about this episode for me is that it's heavily centered on the idea of how do you make a change in your life that you need to make, that deep down you know you need to make, but it's going to require radically shifting your life. And this change and this big decision that he came to is a big part of what we talk about in this episode. There's also a really interesting layer of us talking about our past, and I learned some things while we're in the conversation that I did not know about while the events themselves were happening. It's like when you're sitting down with an old friend and you're reflecting and you realize that you didn't didn't have all the details. And so it was also of great benefit to me to reflect and and go back to those times and realize there's there's just so much more that I learned about him and about and, and about myself as well. This is also a very wide-ranging conversation. The question of what happens when you do find your vocation, but it's really hard. What do we do about the obstacles in the path? What do we do about uh, criticisms and with people using uh, prejudices against us. This is a an extremely wide-ranging conversation, and I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. So David is a physical therapist, and his bio reads, Dr. Cho received his undergraduate degree in exercise science from Georgia State University before becoming a licensed physical therapist with a doctorate in physical therapy. David is also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, as well as a strong first instructor. Throughout his career, 
David has helped people from both the clinical and strength performance fields achieve a myriad of goals, including walking for the first time after a stroke and breaking a world record in the squat. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with David Cho's Epic Ordinary Life. So I am with David Cho, a friend that I have known for 15 years at this point. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Like I did, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We met in college and it, you know, there's a lot of friends that you make in a chapter like that, like high school, college, whatever it is, but, but to have them linger, you know, to the fact that I went to your wedding that you gave me a place at your wedding, I was so grateful for. And also that you came to my wedding, like that doesn't always happen. Something like a a friendship that lingers for that long. That's a funny way to describe it lingering, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, linger. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. My, there might be a more positive way to say that, but uh, where I want to go with, with the conversation first is anytime with one of these podcasts, what I'm looking to do is have people who are listening find themselves in your story. And I think a great place to start is where you found yourself in midway point of, of college. We had gone to college together for a couple of years. You were in a major that you originally had felt was your path, but all through those two years that I knew you, you were feeling doubtful about it, and you found yourself at a crossroads of having to make a decision, and that's where I'd like us to to take this first, because anybody who's listening may find themselves in that place where there's some kind of an inner... uh, feeling that where they're headed may not be right. So if you can take us to that place, what was that experience? Huh? Um, man, yeah, like you said, it's been a long time since I've even thought about that. But so I think ultimately what it was, I mean, that was, I mean, I love the two years that we, <laughs> that we spent up at MTSU, man, that was awesome. But I, I, I pretty much knew every day, like waking up, the only reason I was there was because I loved our group so much. Like it was just awesome just being together. Um, and I think once those two years kind of got through, I kind of realized, well, technically we only have like two more years to kind of like supposedly figure this out or else I'm going to be one of those guys that like never leaves college. So um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, I knew it, like you said, way before the two-year mark but right at that two-year mark um I think if I remember correctly actually like one of the major decision points was like I had gone back home during the summertime and it was either like I was dating somebody or like I don't I don't I don't exactly remember what it was but something was like kind of like uh keeping me more in Atlanta like I was kind of leaning towards more just like okay I gotta maybe going back isn't the right thing because obviously I I don't care about this major. Like I I had no skill in the recording industry, all power to the people that make music and creative artists like that because that was not me. Um, 
So I think that was the time when I just, and again, this, I have to preface this by saying I was extremely lucky. Um, I put my well, single mom at the time uh, through so much bull crap when I was growing up uh, during my teenage years, but she uh, had a very good job and I have never really wanted for nothing. Um, I make jokes that she was a very typical cheap Korean mom, but honestly, uh, she provided a very, very good life for me. And so I had the opportunity to then be flexible with, okay, now it's, I, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. I am going to do something else. Right. And I know not too many people can do that, um, especially now, but uh, I would still encourage people to think or remember that like, man, we, as bad as America might seem right now, man, we, we got a lot of choices here. So, and you can, mm-hmm. you can do your own thing and you can make money and, even more crazy ways. I mean, capitalism has gone like insane directions in the recent years. I mean, you know, there are high school kids making more money than you and I ever will right now, right? I mean, yeah, playing video games and having yeah, or, watch or them. Just, yeah, or just making like silly videos online. I mean, yeah. it, you don't even have to be skilled, well, skilled in anything, quote unquote. But um, anyway, so that was, that was basically that. I, I just decided, you know what, I have the technically the support of my family to make a better decision and so i just changed and you know back when we you and i were to we would always do like brazilian jiu-jitsu together we'd go to the gym we'd always be like kind of working out with everyone and that's i think i quickly realized like you know i really enjoy just being active and doing this kind of training stuff so that's what uh that's what i decided to change my major to exercise science and stay in atlanta so It's, it's so interesting that you point out that you already were feeling those feelings, like what, like probably in the first year that you were in college as a recording industry major. Yeah. I quickly realized it. Like one of my first recording industry classes, people were like, yeah, you know, I got, got the fruit loops and everything. I got all this set up back in my room, my dorm room. I was like, man, we don't, I don't have any of that. Like what, what, like I, you know, I played instruments as a kid, but that's it. Like I had no content. I mean, even, uh, even our buddy Ben was like mm-hmm. making beats and stuff in his room and he's not even in the major. He was just doing it for fun. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. Like, I don't, I don't know a thing about anything. So um, now granted that maybe that could have been something that I would learn on the way. I mean, it's not like maybe that again, that's that part of my laziness. Right. I was like, well, I have no, skill in this and so i'm just not even gonna try you know that's maybe a little spoiled way of thinking back in the day but yeah that's (laughs) that was just a really daunting thing to come up against when you walk in for your first day of uh your majors class and everyone's just already like a mile ahead of you and it's like oh geez so that's like a classic nightmare. Like you, you know, for me as a former teacher, it's like you, it's the first day of school and you've planned not like you, you have no lesson plans, uh, you know, but that, that was a reality for you. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I forgot you were a teacher too. Jeez. Yeah. That's funny. Well, uh, one thing that I want to talk about with this is that you, there may be people that immediately feel that kind of doubt and this kind of doubt can be, in many life situations, it can be with a, a path of study. It could be with a relationship. It could be with one's job. And so I want to talk a little bit about how you found what you love. Cause you referenced that you were, uh, 
already kind of being pulled toward the disciplines of strength. And it's funny you mentioned describing yourself as lazy. I don't. Rem- I remember you being like literally a model for not being lazy because you you had a transformation over those years of like suddenly studying fitness and nutrition in a way that typical 20 year olds in college who are going to the meal hall and eating cake for breakfast aka me did you i don't remember you doing that but no, i did at the first year oh okay but, you know it was a new new world but <laughs> how did you talk a little bit about how you you found where you should go man um well okay so going back to that whole like that change and you know how i approach food and everything i just being real like i actually had a very unhealthy relationship with um kind of not body body dysmorphia kind of just the way that like i viewed what was healthy um and then also like a really bad relationship with food which sounds so stupid sounding when you say it out loud but uh, you know a lot of people struggle with this um uh you know, when I started, I was smoking, I was chunkier, <laughs> for lack of a better term, when you guys first met me. And then, um, yeah, I, for whatever reason, I just decided like, oh, I, I, I mean, you know, like most young guys our age, we just wanted to be cut and, you know, get that six pack and everything. So um, I, that's what kind of motivated me to be more active. Um, honestly, being around you guys helped me stop smoking because really, other than like maybe one or two others, no one smoked. So that made it easier, right? Because I would yeah. just be separated from you guys while you guys were all doing stuff. I'm like, oh, that sucks. I don't want to be outside by myself. So um, anyway, so that helped. But yeah, like I, um, you know, I just did a lot of reading. And uh, of course, like exercise was something fun for all of us that we were doing anyway but um and I think I was lucky to where I think naturally my body just doesn't like to be that big anyway so it did um I did see change fairly quickly uh but that being said like I mean I was like I don't know if you remember this man but I was eating like peckish amounts of food at times um if we like, you know, we would do like a late night, like subway run or whatever. And then like afterwards, like as soon as I was done eating, I would like hammer out like a hundred pushups, like a ton of different like ab stuff, just because I was like literally paranoid about like gaining any fat or weight, you know what I'm saying? So it, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if you guys ever thought it was weird, but you know, I was just like, I, I had that mindset. Like if I ate a bag of chips, I was doing some kind of crazy, exercise or whatever right after just because I was like oh I I, because I did this I got to do this and so um I think now it's like a it's like a form of exercise exercise uh gosh I'm I'm blanking on the word it's not exercise bulimia but um exercise anorexia or something like that Mm -hmm. um it's literally where like instead of like binging or starving yourself you're you're literally just exercising yourself to an insane degree just because you ate food it's almost like like compensating yeah exactly it's a it's just a form of compensation um which back then i didn't know and then later on like not too long after when i got into my uh, exercise science field we were like you know of course studying about that stuff and i was like oh geez that's that was me and i mean even at the time that was still kind of me so um yeah but so to that credit, I definitely didn't do it necessarily the most healthy way, but um, 
yeah, you know, I think it was just might have been more of a just ego thing like i just wanted to look better right like i i that's what back when we thought women wanted or well i guess girls and women wanted guys who were like six-pack and lean and whatever but well that's not definitely the case these days for sure so yeah (laughs) um yeah it's crazy to think how we were young and you know and and we were young and as my dad says young and stupid uh, and, but, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that about you, but I'm saying that about the fact that I saw your actions as like admirable, like w- w- looking from the outside in, I was like, this guy has an incredible level of discipline. Uh, I'm eating two serving. This was true. And you'll remember this part. I was eating two bowls of ramen <laughs> before I went to bed. Yeah, yeah. After after probably three giant meals, uh, the nightcap was so you know a giant vat of sodium and uh, you know whatever meaningless nutrients are in. Yeah, but you know it, it's that that stereotypical like do we were we were younger of course um, yeah. our, that means and we were active too so like our metabolisms were you know at that level of like you could pretty much shovel in whatever and your body's going to yep. use it. Um, and technically, you know, that's, I, I, I do think that met, of course, metabolism does slow down as we get older, but honestly, there are people out there our age who are, um, just absolute like garbage disposals. I can't describe it any other way, but like they are high performing and just, they eat whatever they can and whatever they have access to. So <laughs> it's amazing what the body can do. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, but you were, you were, you were pretty lean too, man. You were well. No, what I'm where I'm going with that is not any kind of self uh, hatred, but just that I did not realize that when you were banging out those sets of you know core exercises. So you bring up an interesting point that what can draw you to something is sometimes not the most sustainable intent. Right. right. Like you're talking about ego originally pulled you in because you wanted to probably have the six pack like in fight club or something like right right yeah but you 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 to use that word again you lingered on the path you you stayed i mean you ultimately went to go toward a physical therapy uh degree and that is a commitment for years so i still want to understand you know you talked about how you naturally liked these things. You, you know, exercising was fun. We did it together. We, you and I trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu together, and it was wonderful. But the fact that you made your life direction around this discipline, that takes more. I like a lot of things, but am I willing to study them to that level? So why do you how – did, how did it go from just an initial interest into that kind of passion? Man, um gosh i anytime i think about this uh it's it's such a (laughs) everyone always kind of gives me gives me crap about this but anytime i get into something it's it's because especially when it came to strength uh the pursuit of strength when it came to um physical therapy and rehab and knowing how to um well help others but also like heal the body or guide the body to do its normal job of healing um honestly man like i i really got into it because i wanted to know how can i keep my engine you know my body myself 
going, right? Like I want to continue to do the things that I love, which is training, which is being physically active, which is whatever. Um, I, I, you know, you and I used to talk about being, uh, I think the term was like a violent nomad or whatever. It basically just like, you know, a civilian, normal civilian, not anything related to being an army guy or anything like that, just a normal person. But that was always, uh, always ready. Like, uh, there's a, there's a pretty well-known strength coach. Um, and he, his favorite way of saying something is like say gas station ready and it basically just harkens to like you know like if some somebody tries to accost you or attack you in the middle of the night at a gas station when you're just like you know not expecting anything are you physically and mentally ready to then defend yourself protect yourself whatever um and i've kind of taken that mindset a little bit um when i was younger i took it to more extreme but nowadays it's still the same thing like i want to always uh make sure that i am physically capable to to do whatever it is i need to do at a given time um and that's kind of where i that's what really drives me um and i know that again that sounds very self self-motivated and ego and kind of feeding my own like oh just fall for me but really like I also then have realized how much I love helping others find that about themselves right and um, it's not so much that um, you know it's funny that you said that you know you were a teacher but really what I love the most is the educational side of these things it's not necessarily like um, you know meeting working with people just to quote unquote help them it's it's legitimately i think i enjoy help uh, educating others on like hey like this is what you can do like this is how cool this is how superhuman we really are you know like all those videos you see of those people what one man can do another man can or what woman what one woman can do another woman can you know whatever it's uh it is it's that's how incredibly uh, resilient and powerful we are so I, I like to learn more about it and then also try to help others realize that right so it's kind of that's what drives it no I, I didn't and I didn't mean to cut you off there but I, I what I like I, I don't think it's fully selfish to want to be in a condition where you can do a deep squat and play with your dial <laughs> Right, right. So in advanced, like, or or be able to, you know, and and not that this becomes a thing about uh, shaming anybody that can't, but what I hear in what you're saying is this sense of empowering people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I just hate how these days it's always seem you, you you go online and you read something and it's like, hey, if you don't buy this, you're you're missing out on the uh, magic silver bullet to whatever for whatever thing and it's all of that is i mean it's horse crap i mean there's no such thing as a silver bullet when it comes to this uh for most things in life so um yeah i just i want to encourage people who maybe just have never had that uh that opportunity or that they never had that knowledge to say like oh hey like i might not be you know maybe i'm like i'm the most I don't know, least enduring or like I'm the fattest person I've ever alive, whatever, like the, whatever negative talk they might be giving themselves or someone else has said to them, it's, it's still incredibly amazing what your, whatever your body is, whatever state it's in, it's still fighting to thrive and survive. And it can, if you just give it that consistent information or consistent, uh, 
signaling to do it right i mean it's yeah i i, I just hope that people don't think that they are forever broken because that's not the case well i i think that can be a feeling of of people i think the what i see broadly that is of concern when it look when i look at the nutrition world or even the training world it's like a lot of the there's a lot of shame and perfectionism that i see attached to like if you i mean you referenced it a second ago if you don't it almost has a religious connotation in the way that religion can be not helpful where it's like you have to do it this way and if you don't do it this way there like new diets there are you know a myriad of diets and often there is this notion that my diet is the diet and you somebody might be listening right now who has never trained they might be 60 or they might be 30 so how do you how, how, what would you say to that person that just says it's too late for me? Well, I mean, I, I could easily pull up a lot of different examples of people who started uh, later than them. I mean, there are 70 year olds who just get into powerlifting and start doing incredible things. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I try to encourage people by saying like, look, like your it, so let's just say, let's take those, uh, those outliers, right? The people that are, I don't know, um, the ones that you hear those really insane stories of like, you know, they were bedridden, they can't move, they're mm-hmm. 450, like they're 450 pounds and they just literally can't get out of bed. Well, so people are like, I can't believe you let your body get to that point, blah, blah, blah. Well, really though, if you want to flip that and think about it, like, the body, they are still alive. Like they probably ate, you know, the most, the, the worst things, quote unquote, that you could be eating to get to that point. And yet their body still is alive and functioning to a certain, to a pretty high degree. Like I get it, like you're not moving, but honestly, um, it's not like you can't move your arms or you can't move your toes or whatever. There are so many people out there who have tons of like neuropathy issues that, you know, they they get these crazy injuries and accidents or whatever, and they can't do any of those things. And yet here's this person who, whose body is still trying to function, even with all the negative, the bad quote unquote stuff that they've been eating and whatever, and not moving. And yet, the body's still fighting to survive and live. And um, so I, I don't mean that as like, hey, good job, you got yourself to that point. But it's also kind of like, that's why also you have those stories of someone who got to that point and then are then able to turn it around and their body can change. I mean, it doesn't matter where you start from. Like just just give it consistent change and things that like whatever goal you're trying to work for yourself, like all that's all you really need to do. Just you know the I think we you and I talked about this privately, like the concept of kaizen. It's that uh, Japanese concept, which supposedly actually came from America back in the day, and then the Japanese adopted it, and then America stopped using it. But basically, it's just one percent better every day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, one percent is like seemingly nothing, but at the end of well, if we're going to keep the math easy, a hundred days, you are a hundred percent different than where you were, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, and that's kind of the mindset I try to tell everyone, regardless of what you're working. It, I mean, this applies to any field, just get 1% better. 
better. And that could be something as simple as 30 minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes of just dedicated time to working towards it. And that's it. I mean, and that's, it's really what it takes. I think the answer for most things is consistency, but uh, I feel like I might not have answered your question or. Oh no, we just build the airplane while it's in the air. It's okay. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. it's, it's great stuff. So I, this is a, a wonderful area to be exploring, but I want to briefly come back to your journey, your hero's journey, where you, you entered this area and you, you even saw yourself in it. You saw earlier struggles you had with food and with motivation and with uh, that compensatory uh, behavior of I, if I ate the bag of chips, I got it. So, so did you, when you entered physical therapy or rather prior to that uh, exercise science, did did you know, like, okay, I'm on the right path? Did you feel like internally, like this is right? Or was there ever still like, well, I'm not sure about this. I think, um, I think the simple fact that I was uh, interested almost like every day when I went to school or whatever, like it was a very different feeling, like being in class and thinking like, Hey, what I'm learning right now will, can be used to, towards what I really like to do, right? Like, or towards uh, helping me get better at X skill or um, helping, you know, this is all very interesting things. Like, it wasn't like I would go to class and just like zone out and be like, this doesn't, I don't know why I'm doing this, right? Like, this will not apply to me ever. Like, it was always something where I was like, oh, this is, this is where I'm, you know, I'm actually eager to do Mm. this versus a, you know, just no motive, lack of motivation whatsoever. And um, that being said, I mean, like, I'm sure um, there are a lot of things within a someone's career or path that you will hit that grind point um, or the, to use a powerlifters term, you enter the suck and it's like, you just feel like you're just never progressing or you're just always in the same thing and you just feel like you can't get out. But um, and yes, that of course happened, but, um, honestly though, it was still every day, there was just something there that made me think like, oh yeah, like this is interesting. This is what I want to be in. This is what I like to learn. Um, and I just found it really all very fascinating. I think that's the mm-hmm. the key thing. I was just always very eager and interested to keep learning more about it. Hmm. Eager. That is such a, it's a simple word, but it's such a good word and I like how you talk about how (laughs) there is ultimately still going to be a desert to just use that image there's still going to be you know there's all those movies where they the classic montage where they show the person starting from you know zero or level one or whatever and then get but nobody like it's a montage for a reason because they don't show the entire pain of that. like yeah. they show highlights because nobody wants to like really linger in that place it's a montage it's not an actual document documentation of that experience so I, I like that because if somebody's trying to find what they love their path their passion even their spouse whatever it is the expectation that it's always going to have an eager quality to it that seems to be setting people up for unhappy yeah um and so that's why i like i i wanted to use that word a little hesitantly because it's not like every single second of class or whatever this being in this career path has been 
um, oh man, like, yes, I love it. Like there's, oh, it's never, you know, there, there's very few things in life that are like that. Um, uh, but yeah, like it, it, I think you say the word passion and it's funny because technically I think there's like some definition of passion that's actually suffering. Like it's, it's like you have, it's like a suffering of something, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and I think sometimes people say like, Oh, it was my passion. That gets a little, you, you need more than just that, like a feeling of passion or a feeling of like, I really like this to then get over those deserts, get over that suck period of, um, just almost like wallowing. Right. Um, I, I can't really describe, I don't really know what that, what that attribute might Mm be. Um, I think honestly, when I, when I've thought about this in the past or talked about this with others, um, it ends up being maybe my stubbornness that might be, uh, the thing that helps. Um, now granted I'm not always stubborn with all things but there are definitely things that I'm just like very headstrong and I think Mm -hmm. that probably has helped me get through those things um now actually this brings on another topic which is kind of going out of left field but uh, having uh and you and I have talked about um faith and you know my religious beliefs and yours and uh but aside from that just having faith or a belief that Mm -hmm. things will be things will have things will happen for you later like just Mm. understanding like and that's and this is of course i don't mean to um talk down on anyone that isn't i mean you know i I am a christian but that doesn't mean that i um, look down upon anyone that isn't but i think what ultimately helps me is just knowing that with with faith you know faith just means you can't see it you can't tangibly touch Mm -hmm. anything and yet you still know or believe that something good will come or whatever things will change and that's i think that's really important to have regardless um uh, it's funny like you'll you'll talk to i've talked to a lot of agnostics and atheists and they they might not believe in a god or god but they will then say like well but you know i i feel really good when I'm out in nature. I almost have like this spiritual experience and that kind of allows them to then, I guess, like give them a sense of peace, which then I think then also helps with their own belief that things will get better, like things will come. Right. And, Mm. or just this tranquility of mind. I I don't know. Um, It's, it's such a unique um, thing for everyone, but yeah, I, I think that's what you, you need a combination of eagerness, stubbornness, and faith, right? I, I think that's I think that's what gets you to where you want to go. There's a grace inherent in what you're describing of like it, it at some point your own effort, your own intention is not going to be like you you just have to Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more and I really like the way you phrase it where it's a very welcoming way of other people that may not have the same path as you, but they may find this place in their own life. Right. And I love also that you're talking about stubbornness because like we, I think we can tend to take our, our own, well, we can tend to take anything and turn it into a binary. Like this is bad. This is good. And I like the idea that the poison is sometimes the, uh, the antidote yeah. You know, like, like like a vaccine or, or or an antidote is going to contain the poison or the, the 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 thing. Like a flu shot has the influenza virus in it, and whether you 
take flu shots or what. That's not what I'm getting into. But I like the imagery of your stubbornness being and and the notion of grace and the notion of faith. But I also like the idea that one's quality of stubbornness is the thing that can get them through the very companion that you need. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's funny that you say kind of like something that maybe people look at as a negative should can be then turned and used as a tool. Um, this, this kind of gets along with, this goes along more of like a race thing. But uh, so I, when I was working with the Georgia state men's basketball team as a team manager, um, I remember one of the uh, assistant coaches, I think, or grad assistants at the time, he basically, uh, he basically told me, Hey man, like, cause I, you know, most the majority of the team and the coaches and everything they were all black they had an awesome uh you know athletic background and i and i at the time i thought i wanted to train basketball players like i thought like i want to be on the nba team doing something right as a coach or something some kind of player development and um i remember he just told me like look man like use your own stereotypes for you and i was like oh what do you mean and he's like well look like and he didn't mean it in a malicious way, but he just meant, look, you are Asian. Everyone's going to think that you're smart. <laughs> like it doesn't it like maybe like, you know, like that joke, like Asians are really good at math. Well, so, you know, a, a lot of, he was just like, look, man, just you're going to walk into a room and people are just going to assume certain things about you. So hmm. maybe use that to your advantage. Right. So I, I, I remember him saying that and like, I laugh. I always remember it. Like, it's just, it's funny to me, but it's also very, um, it's very true. Like you can use things that maybe people like society or whoever might look at and just make assumptions about you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can then use those to your advantage. Um, not to be a snake or like, you know, do anything, uh, uh, shady towards somebody like lying or whatever, but just, you know, just, use what maybe people you think about you to your advantage right like if um it, it could be a, something as simple as like if you look intimidating that might actually help in terms of you, you might be a complete teddy bear but that mm. might actually help in terms of negotiations or uh i don't know like um just or maybe just somebody might not decide to rob you because you just look like you'll be able to protect yourself or handle yourself right like you know, uh, you guys know, I, I don't know if how many people listening know who uh, Thor Bjornsson is, but, or half Thor, he's the actor who played, you know, the mountain and he's uh, the world's strongest man currently. If you look like that, you're, he could be the nicest guy in the world, but you're not going to be trying to mess with him physically just because he, you know, you're like, oh, like he could probably destroy, I mean, even if you had no idea who he was, you're like, Oh, he could yeah. probably just, you know. pick somebody else, <laughs> pick somebody else to take the lunch money from. Exactly. Exactly. So um, now that's probably a terrible example of what I was trying to convey, but yeah, like just use whatever you can always take something that people look at as a weakness or a negative thing. And you can actually make that a, you can to a certain degree, depending on how much you apply can then be used as a really great tool to, help you get through or to help you succeed later on in some situation. That is fascinating. Like I'm, I'm having to sit with that for a second because often when I think of that type of a situation where somebody, I mean, you talked about how you, you're not doing this with a shady intent, but when other people are taking 
an off the shelf stereotype and plopping it over onto your whole person. That's not a great, you know, I think people sometimes do it um, unconsciously exactly because that's a built that's weaved into our culture. There's a lot of issues with that. And that's, but, but it's so interesting because when, when somebody does that to you, if I look at you and I make assumptions that are not really seeing you, I am in some ways victimizing you in, in a, in a way one I, in, I, I could see the argument both ways, but you're talking about, again, to use that word from earlier, empowering the person who is receiving that inaccurate information as a, as a label for their whole person, man, I just, now don't get me wrong. I am saying, you know, technically being Asian, yes, that, the stereotype is maybe we are smart in some areas, but that's a very non, that's not like a bad stereotype. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like being smart is never like a derogatory thing. I mean, yeah. so, and I by no means mean, I'm trying to say like, oh, I'm suffering because of that. No, it's just a stereotype that then, of course, I am able to use to my advantage in some situations. What you're um, saying. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, there are so many stereotypes out there for other, you know, cultures, other races that are not positive whatsoever, right? And yeah. um, I don't know exactly how you could use that as an advantage. However, there, there maybe there is a way, and I just don't know because obviously, that's I am not black, I am not Hispanic, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like um, I, I would never, you know, I don't want people to think like. Oh, like that's easy because that's such a non, you know, that's not a bad thing to be considered smart and math or whatever. And exactly. They are correct. So I just, I'm just saying I, that was an example that has always stuck with me of hey, use your stereotypes to your advantage. And it's like, huh? Okay. So, and I mean, I don't know, there, there are probably other examples that could be maybe brought up, but I don't, uh, maybe it's not the most PC thing to say or whatever. I don't know. I mean, especially these times it's, you never know what you're going to say that might offend somebody, but, uh, you know, I, I just try to encourage people to maybe not stereotypes per se, but just if you have a quote unquote negative quality about yourself, if you tune it to the right frequency, Hmm. it can really be used as a great tool. Hmm. So it's like, it's like a radio station where you're getting a lot of static, but you can hear a little bit of the music. Yeah. And, uh, so to kind of geek out a little bit on, uh, uh, using my exercise science background or whatever. So, um, energy systems in the body, and this is probably where people start to go to sleep, but you know, we have three different energy systems and you know, people think like, Oh, if you're sprinting, you're using one. And then if you're running for an ultra marathon, you're using another. And then if you're doing like, I don't know, like one push up, you're doing some, you're using something else. Well, really it's, everything's like a, those like slider lights, right? Like, um, it's not, they're always all on a little bit. And so that's how I like to describe using a quote unquote negative thing, you know, Mm. if you tune it to the right amount, right? So if you're, Mm. obviously, if you're all the way up, if I was 100% stubborn all the time, that's not great for my relationship with my wife, with being a father, being a employee, whatever. I mean, it's, you gotta, it's that certain degree that Mm. you apply it 
um, and it's never all the way off and it's never all the way on, right? It's always yeah. somewhere in the middle and you just have to kind of figure out what exactly, how much of it you need at the, at what time. Um, and I think that's something that people try to figure out throughout their whole life. Cause obviously we're going to make mistakes. So that is so great. Cause, cause I often, if I have a quality that like, let's just use this as an example, I get walked all over. I am not assertive enough. Uh, and so then I think what we can sometimes tend to do, and I'm only speaking from my own experience here, but you can go, well, I need to be the opposite of this. I need to, I need to gain the qualities of the opposite trait. And maybe that's good, but that seems to be, to go back to an earlier part of our conversation, compensating. Like if, 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 um, humility, (laughs) receptivity, whatever word you want to do to call uh, being quote unquote walked over as a positive. Like if I'm trying to swing it that way, I'm, I'm not really honoring what is core. This is just something that I'm kind of thinking about based on what you said as we go. So it's kind of half baked, but if I get a more nuanced relationship with whatever is naturally within me, I am naturally stubborn or I am naturally more humble. It sounds like what you're saying is more of like having more of a like taking what occurs naturally within somebody and having a more nuanced relationship with how to engage with that aspect of themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, it is a nuance. It's never, um, you know, it's like a dance, right? You kind of have to figure out the, yeah. the rhythm to it in a way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. It's like cooking. Salt is great unless you, Right. 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 Exactly. So how did you go from, you know, if we're looking at your own life and we're looking at the fact that you made this shift and you made the shift, by the way, very bravely, because you literally were going to live with us, like a couple other guys in a, in a dorm situation. And you, I mean, maybe you'd already made the decision internally before, but you told us the day that you were coming so that that takes a lot of bravery to pivot like that. You then enter the path. You're getting those good signals that you're on the right track. So maybe just to end this part one conversation, what has it been like taking all this training and study and then entering into the world and going from the classroom, the lab, to applying it? Um, (laughs) well, uh, I I think a lot of people can, uh, relate to this, uh, obviously class and lab settings are very, uh, controlled. So when then you go out into what is your career, what is the real world, then of course things are very different, um, in some aspects for sure. So uh, I'll say it this way. Um, I have, of course, enjoyed many aspects of it but then i have also not enjoyed many aspects of it as well um and this could be an entire long lecture in itself of sure what our medical system has now become when it comes to insurance and everything and just the the ridiculousness and the intricacy of the corruption that then <laughs> weaves itself into uh, you know people having their hands in different things then a lot where now it's you I mean, gosh, you, you can't even 
get simple things without having to go through insurance or, um, you know, having to go to this person, then going to this person, then waiting and then getting an appointment, especially with the, uh, with COVID-19. I mean, things are just that much harder to even get, um, you know, go see a doctor or whatever. I mean, yes, sure. Sure. Zoom has done incredible things for people, but it's not the same. And how many people are having trouble managing their phone and then you're asking them to do a zoom meeting on their computer where they're like, what the heck is that? I mean, so, you know, um, I don't want to say it's all bad, but it's definitely you. I have quickly realized, and I think many of my other um, peers and classmates or, you know, former classmates have quickly realized that uh, the, as much as we love the field, there are many shortcomings to it unless you get to a certain uh, niche or some, or, um, a certain area and what's ironic is no not ironic but what i uh what you quickly realize is some form of an edu- the educational part of the field and is where people tend to find the most um, i think success uh and how you determine success is very individual but um you know i'm just going to use money and then also i think overall uh enjoyment of what they're doing it seems to be um more towards that now there are many people who love treating and uh being more hands-on for their entire career and that's great i think that's awesome uh but i that is just not me um it would have been the same thing if i didn't get into physical therapy if i was just doing uh training of individuals um (laughs) it's working as much fun as it is it's certainly not something that i would want to be doing um, 10 years from now, I'm just, just flat out. That's just not what I want to be doing. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, I I don't want to jade anybody and say like, Oh, once you choose your path in school or you find your passion and then all of a sudden you get out and start doing it and you're going to hate it. No, it's not like that. It's just, there are many, um, in, in my field of physical therapy, there are many aspects that are, um, being controlled by other organizations and mm-hmm. powers that be that are just very, um, very hard to deal with and very frustrating for not only me, but also for the uh, people that I have the pleasure of working with. It's, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to be hurt. It's hard to be sick these days um, in America. So, yeah. That's so good though, because like, that's another, we were talking about the the time of the suck or the, 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 the time of the desert or whatever, where you, you're going to hit the grind. Like that's another very common experience. Even if you're in the right place, it's like the real, I hate that term, the quote unquote real world, but there's a truth to it that, you know, like you said, the lab settings don't paint the whole picture of, of, of like, of the, of the gauntlet, you know, the, um, the arena, not to use too many fighting terms, but but life does have that conflict quality, and there is a lot of stress involved in it. And I I just I really like your your honesty around this because somebody might be listening right now who's in college who is trying to make the right path, and they may do all of that, and then they may get out and realize how hard it is. So have you have you have you got a, a way that you reframe? this kind of a struggle like do you go back to your principles of faith and uh stubbornness like how how do you work with these kind of challenges 
that are in some ways a lot different from when you were in school? A hundred percent agreed on that. Um, I definitely go back <laughs> to being um, part of its stubbornness, but also relying a lot on faith. And then um, of course, being very blessed to have a wonderful uh, wife and, you know, little girl now that, um, you know, it's, I'm not saying that like I go to work and just grind to then provide for them. It's, it's not really that. I'm just saying that I think um, sometimes during the day, uh, so let's just say it this way, whatever you're doing, if you're, if you're really unhappy with that moment of the day, maybe you're working with someone who's just a complete pin in the ass or just, um, or I don't know, you, got yelled at by your boss. I don't know what it is. Uh, just, or you're struggling to even make a penny to then have to feed your family of four. I, I don't know what it is that you're going right. through, but th- that being said, I am able to, during these moments that I'm very unhappy where, with where I am at that moment, I can then think about, you know what, when I get home though, you know, I have a, someone who loves me. I have a little girl that, you know, and it might not be a baby. It could be like a pet or something, you know, just there is something at that later on that mm. will warm you. will just like um, welcome you just a smile. Just there's always that thing of like, there is something, you know what, like I have, these are what, this is what's important to me, no matter what it is in the moment that is terrible. This is what matters. Right. Um, and I think, how do I say it then? If you, yeah, if not, I guess in that respect, it's not necessarily faith, but having that, that foundation to mm-hmm. know that, um, this is, this is kind of why, or it, you have this thing to kind of cling on to, to just know, like, this is what's going to, this helps me get through whatever mm-hmm. it is that I'm having trouble. And again, this is where I'm of course, very, very lucky and blessed because there are probably people out there who do not have that. Maybe, maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have a significant other. Maybe you don't, whatever. But I'm hoping that every single person listening has at least that one thing in their life that they, um, that they can then use as a support system in some way. Right. Um, now hopefully not something negative, like drugs or whatever but um just something right. that you know you're like oh man you know what i'm thankful like if i was single right um i would look at you i would look at some of my other close friends that you've met you know what like yeah i'm single maybe i'm not you know i don't have a wife or a kid or whatever but i've got these great group of friends like these brothers that are that will i can lean on you know in times like that and Again, I'm very lucky in that regard because there are probably people out there who do not have that, right? And it's unfortunate, but um, I'm hoping that everyone that can find something like that in their life, right? I mean, that's that's at its core. It's what makes us human, you yeah. know the the need for uh, to be have some kind of like love or shelter from others and um, that sense of security. But I, yeah, man, that sounds so. I feel like we're so like first world lucky to to like you know what i mean it's like because there are so many people out there that probably don't have any of these things and um you know i just i feel uh it feels almost like not uh, of course i'm not ashamed or embarrassed of it because you know obviously it's not like these things fell in my lap it's like things that you have to work on and um to in, in nurture to grow but um 
yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. You, we talk about, yeah, I have a wife and a kid and it's like, well, there are tons of people out there that don't even have a roof over their heads. Right. And so I think, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's an embarrassment of riches sometimes, even at the moderate lifestyle that you and I both live. <laughs> I think we have a pretty, we're pretty lucky. So it's, it's beautiful. All of that's beautiful, including the self-awareness of being aware that this advice doesn't even necessarily apply to every single human being. And right. I, I think this is a great place for us to, to, to stop. And, and just, in, I, I hope like you, that everybody that is listening, that does not have that hearth, that warmth, that fire of, of an animal of, of maybe even a hobby that is just generative in nature, a spouse, a significant other, a, a child, may you find it. May you find it where, because it, whatever it is, it's probably looking for you too. And it, it needs you too, or she or he or whoever needs you too. So thank you for being a part of this. I really hope you and I do a part two. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm all for it, you know, whenever you want. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And whoever whoever you are, wherever you are, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to perhaps practice physical therapy with David Cho, he is a physical therapist at New Care Physical Therapy. You can find him at newcarept.com. That is N-E-W-C-A-R-E-P-T.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a part of this journey. If you want to support it, please go to Apple iTunes and write a review, even if you are using a different platform. And another wonderful thing you can do is share it with a friend or family member. Spread the word if an episode benefited you. This podcast comes out every other Thursday, so I will be back in two weeks with another story of an epic ordinary life. So until then, take care of yourself.